This is the Lucy Beatrix Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Man, oh man, am I pumped. Over the weekend, I raced the Big Lake Half Marathon in Alton, New Hampshire. And guess what? I brought home the gold. Yep, I won, which feels so good. But I have a lot to unpack and talk about when it comes to the race this weekend, as well as the one I didn't run a few weeks ago. At the end of April, I was feeling the exact opposite of how I feel now. Confident in my running, feeling strong. No, a few weeks ago, I was pretty bummed. I had all my ducks in a row intending to race a 10K in Central Park. I was even given a team spot to do this. But the trouble was, my Achilles was really bothering me the day before the race in a way I didn't know how to manage. It started during my shakeout, about 24 hours before the race was going to happen. I was about three miles into that easy run the day before when I thought, ow, what is that? But I finished up with some strides and head off to a photo shoot that I had that day on the west side. During the shoot, I was walking around on cobblestone streets in Meatpacking District, and I kept trying to test standing on the leg with the issue as I began wondering, is this just some phantom injury? Is it race anxiety? And I kept thinking maybe it was nothing. But then, back at home after the shoot, I tried again to hop on the afflicted leg, and it felt piercing like a stab right under my calf. My leg almost wouldn't let me jump on it. The muscles just weren't firing off. So I asked around what people thought I should do about the pain in my leg as well as whether or not I should race. Some people said to just shake it off and to still go for it. But then again, they didn't know how I was actually feeling. They're not me. They're not inside my body. And so I messaged my friend from the running team, Jim, and he's actually the one who paced me to the bronze medal at the Central Park half a few months ago. He responded in all caps, do not race. He said he of course supported any choice I made, but I mean, we've also talked a lot about injuries on this show, Jim and I, and how sometimes something small just needs a few days or weeks to heal. But if you keep pushing it, that could be months of rehab. I decided to take his advice and to not race. However, I still laid out my singlet and bib and watch and my shoes to see if I would wake up and feel 100% in the morning. So I set my alarm anyway as if maybe I'd just decide in the moment that I could do it. But mentally, I I said it's also okay if I don't. So... When I woke up, it still hurt just enough to know that I couldn't go pound the pavement with my team. This would also have been one of my first races back in a long time. And so I really just didn't know what to expect with like the adrenaline. If maybe, you know, maybe I could have run it slower and backed off. But at the same time, I was like, what if I just like blow my leg out? So I was kind of like nervous about not knowing how to navigate what this pain was. But I let myself rest assured that that was, I just needed to make the right decision and sit this one out. What I did instead is typical Viking behavior. I still needed something, like something physical to get out, like, you know, my normal extra energy that I always have. So I went to my beloved Woodway treadmill at the gym. 
That's the one with the wooden planks that you run on. It provides a very soft surface and it's a great option for injured runners. I found that when I can't run on a hard surface or even on a regular treadmill, I can still bust it on that thing. And it's my safe place when something like my foot or shin or in this case my Achilles hurts because it feels like I can still run and maintain fitness even though it's not the same as like running outside. So when everyone else was out there racing that 10K, I set a personal record on the Woodway um, for the hour because I felt so bummed to not be racing. But I was also relieved that my Achilles wasn't hurting on the soft terrain. I thought, you know, this is bad. You know, I, I still felt uncomfortable with like what I was feeling there. But I knew that it wasn't going to put me out for so long as long as I could still train on the Woodway. So that was kind of comforting. But I still felt very badly that I had taken a team spot and not been able to race. I went to the brunch uh, to celebrate. This is like the team brunch to celebrate with the people who had run Amazing Times that morning. And it was really fun. But I kind of wondered yet again, am I always going to be the broken runner on the team who just always gets hurt all the time? So that was kind of a hard feeling, you know, to have to explain to all my teammates like, yeah, I didn't run and like I failed the hop test. I couldn't hop on one leg the night before. And so, you know, it just is like a weird place to be in. But luckily, I was back to normal running in just a few days. I got a lot of sleep and really focused on like nutrition and just like relaxing and not putting myself too much pressure on myself. And I determined that the shoes I was running in had hit their limit or just weren't right for my foot after a while. I feel like maybe I got too used to them and tested out a different kind that had helped me a lot. I was back in the swing of things before long, but also very cautious. Um, I mean, I kept my mileage way lower, 40 to 50 mile per weeks instead of 70 to 80. And I didn't do any kind of crazy speed work. After logging a few good workouts in the next few weeks, um, like a very smooth long run that was averaging a seven minute mile pace, or even descending below the six, 10 minute mile pace in longer runs, I was thinking, yeah, I could probably test these legs out. And after that fluke Achilles thing, I still had this race bug. Like I wanted to race very badly. Nothing was hurting. So I decided to start poking around for another race to run relatively soon. Adding to my desire, my desire, I saw all the promotion for um, the Brooklyn half. Basically, every run, everyone runs that race. But I had missed the boat in registering. When I scoped out other half marathons that weren't too far away, I found a couple that happened to be on the same day as the Brooklyn half. So I could chase my FOMO, my fear of missing out, with actually racing just in a different state on a different course, but the same day. I was between choosing to race the Martha's Vineyard half in Massachusetts and the Big Lake half in New Hampshire, the first being much flatter than the second. I ended up going with the steeper one, the Big Lake half, because I guess I just don't actually know how to read elevation charts because it didn't look as hilly as it ended up being. My bad, but also no regrets. <laughs> While everyone else was out at the Brooklyn Half Expo week, uh, days before the race and the big pick, bib pickup, doing their last shakeouts before one of the biggest half marathons that's sandwiched by the huge crowds and Brooklyn scenery, I was on a bus uh, up to New Hampshire to do the Big Lake Half surrounded by New England wilderness and a whole lot of nature. And I was really psyched. 
It's always refreshing to get out of the city, but more importantly, it felt good to put my focus into a new challenge. And I had nothing to lose, really. One of the biggest perks of this was there weren't going to be a ton of eyes that knew who I was on this course. It was basically just like, I'm a stranger coming into this. No one knows, like, what kind of, nobody's expecting me to run any kind of time. And I didn't even have a set time that I was focused on. I really didn't even know if I was going to break 130. I thought, you know, it might even be like a 133. Like, I just didn't want to have a time in my mind. I just wanted to go off of effort and feel good and do it that way. The evening before the race, I ate an extra banana and some sweet potato and basics like that, simple, simple stuff. And I was in bed at 7 p.m., fast asleep by 9 p.m., well rested for my 5 a.m. alarm. I woke up and had coffee and TMI, but I used the porta potty thing by the starting line, not one, not two, but three times but before the race. But that's because I went into this race a little bit more hydrated than usual, knowing I really haven't mastered being able to drink from the little cups they hand you at the fluid stations on the course. What I ended up doing during this race, actually, um, is like when, when they were handing me the cups, I just know I can't drink. So I just splashed them on my face, which I'm sure is not that weird, but it is kind of funny when you're aggressively grabbing it and then throwing it in your face and then throwing the paper cup aside. Anyway, at the starting line, I made some friends with some fast guys who looked serious about the race. One of them had just come off running a 240 marathon at Boston, and I decided I should try to follow him. When the race began, he, of course, took off way ahead of me in the first mile, but there were two other guys I ran in the tailwind of for the first half of the race. The first few miles of 13.1, I focused on staying steady and assessing my body. No aches or pains, just smooth and steady. And I really tried to think about my form. Like that was so big for me. It's like just keeping my form, my shoulders relaxed, my breathing steady. Um, because just a few months ago when I did the Central Park half, I really noticed that my breathing was out of control. Like I felt like I was hyperventilating throughout the entire race. Not this time. I really tried to just stay super calm and controlled. Um, so around the two and a half mile mark, I could start to feel the fierce wind pushing against me as I hit the hills. The hills were subtle at first, but as the course progressed, they kind of became never ending and quite steep. It felt like Harlem Hill in Central Park for the next eight miles with some bonus cat hills thrown in there just to break it up. <laughs> so I did this thing where I did this at the Central Park half as well, where I just focused on keeping going and not thinking, just moving. And I also had a mantra that came to me in those first few miles that I repeated over and over aloud to myself which was a compilation of my teammates' names that sent me off to this race strong. Yuka Wataru Jim. I literally said that over a hundred times. I just kept saying it. Yuka Wataru Jim. It seems weird, but that really helped me take myself out of the race and dedicate it to someone else, which made it almost like feel like I was doing something noble. But so this is when it got tricky. I was about halfway through when suddenly the course was on, was a little bit more winding and there were a lot more turns. And as I swerved side to side to stay on track, as well as watch my feet because not to fall down, because there was a very steep decline at one point. And I thought, whoa, like this is dropping fast. And I, I almost needed to like make sure I wasn't going to trip forward. 
it was easy to miss some of the mile marker signs along the way just just to see how far I'd gone. So for example, like there'd be like a little like, um, there'd be like a little orange thing like on a tree that says mile five or mile six. And I had seen them all the way up until about mile seven. I started to like miss them. Like I'd be going and be like, see the little like cones and stuff. But then I'd say like, wait a minute, was that, did we just pass mile seven? Should I go back and see which mile I'm on? No, no, keep going forward. There was just no way to like figure out if I had passed, like to see like, did I miss the number? Like which mile am I on? But what I'm getting at here is, I probably should have worn my GPS watch like a normal runner to track my pace mileage that way instead of just like depending on trying to find the sign on the tree um, because it was easy to miss. And I didn't wear my watch because I have this OCD paranoia of it giving me false data during the run that will kill my spirit mid-race. So for example, if like I'm in the middle of running and I look down and my watch says it's a 745 pace, but that's just inaccurate when really it's faster than that. I don't like seeing that because I feel like it just like messes with my morale. But I think it would have helped me with staying a little bit more consistent in the more woodsy part of the race and not panicking trying to see which mile I'm on, but just focusing on going. But so anyway, that's just a side note. Mentally, I think when you're in that headspace where you're in the middle of a race, things like that just seem way more exaggerated than they are. Like, oh my gosh, is this mile nine or mile eight? Is it mile eight or mile nine? And like, you don't have the spectators around. It's a kind of a quiet race. So you don't have people to like say like, what mile am I on? Like, it's not as obvious. So anyway, you start to get in this loop where, you know, it's already been an hour and you're like, where am I? Is it ever going to end? And it gets kind of like, you know, crazy. But despite long stretches of feeling like I was just racing myself, Um, I truly wasn't expecting the finish line to approach as quickly as it did. Maybe I was delirious at that point, but I wasn't that exhausted, but I was too focused on um, being frustrated about not knowing where I was that suddenly I see the finish line. I'm like, oh my gosh, I made it. But maybe I would have busted it much harder the last few miles and made my splits better if I had known, but you know, it it is what it is. And it's just that kind of race. Like I just have to understand, like there's just different kinds of races. And in in New York city, you know, because you know where the water tables are. Like I just was kind of going into this unaware and just, you know, just focused on going. But anyway, what I forgot to say is I broke the tape and won. So like when I got to the finish line, like I was the first person, the first girl, um, to cross the finish line. And that was so fun. I've never broken the tape. Well, I have for a turkey trot for a 5K also in New Hampshire. For some reason, these New Hampshire races really work for me. But that was so fun to break the tape. And as soon as I won, I scoped out how the men's times were and came to find out that the guy's top finisher's time was actually slowed down quite a bit from his goal because of the wind and hills as well. Also, there were only three guys ahead of me meaning I was fourth overall and not just first place female, which is pretty cool. That's like a really awesome, that's a really awesome feeling. When I finished, I was glad that nothing felt tweaked or hurt in my body. I had really like, you really had focused on the form and the being calm in the aggressiveness, but I kind of felt like I could go run later that afternoon if I wanted. That's how like good I felt. So clearly I didn't go too, too hard. But I think for where I am, that's really good to be a little bit undercooked at this point in my training. I feel like I could literally race another half in a week or two and beat yesterday's time. 
But so the main lesson here is that I don't think I could have had such a solid winning race that also feels like a good practice run if I hadn't avoided racing on pavement a few weeks ago. If anything, that tweak I had in my leg needed me to do exactly what I did. It needed me to run on soft surface until it healed. And that didn't take very long. It just was like, I feel like my leg was like, hey, you need to sleep a few more solid nights before you go pound it on like cement or, you know, asphalt. Because during the race yesterday, which was on um, the road, so it was it was like a hard surface, I didn't feel my Achilles once. That almost seems like a lifetime ago that it had even bothered me like it had. So that's a huge victory. I'm definitely still hopeful to improve my my times and race at CIM this winter, the California International Marathon. To think that the race yesterday was on, I was racing on a training of extremely low mileage for me, but also felt really great. I, I, I've been in the lowest mileage that I've been at for a while, like I'm running like 40 to 50 mile weeks. So that, that's like, that's pretty low to then go race a half on for me. But to think I have seven months to even build upon that and have put, put in the 80 mile weeks and maybe even hundred mile weeks, if it makes sense, and then be crazy enough to try to run an Olympic trials qualifying time. I really think I can do it as long as I stay healthy. And yesterday's uh, race gave me the confidence and boosted my motivation And so it was more than worth it. It may have even given me the assurance that listening to my body has really worked out for me and I should always do that. Like, duh. Besides, you know how I close this podcast out with saying, just be fast, just win. That's how I like to close the show. Well, now it's actually okay for me to say that since I finally did win something bigger than a turkey trot. And well, it started off as a joke, but now it's totally my motto Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Find me on Instagram at LucyTheViking. And now you know I mean it when I say it. Just be fast. Just win.